Hello and welcome to the episode two of the Dead Puck Podcast. I'm Ben, and I'm here with my friend Dylan. How's it going, Dylan? It's going pretty good. How are you? Oh, not bad, not bad. Um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with Patrick Marlowe becoming, you know, the, has the most games in the history of the NHL, including WHA? Let's get right into it. Perfect. Did you see that stat where he says he's played 30, with 37% of the entirety of the NHL like players? Like he's played with 37% of every single NHL player that's ever happened like played in this league. That's wild. <laughs> like 37% like of every player to ever play in the NHL he has played at the same time as they have played. Yes, over his career. Man. Like he, there's eighty one, there's eighty one hundred players that have played in this league. He's played with three thousand and nine of them. Yeah, he's not like he is the a model of consistency. Like, yeah, if I had to pick a guy twenty years ago to be the guy to break Gordy Howe's record, it probably wouldn't have been Patrick Marlowe. No, because you think he'd be like. On a contender or something like that, trying to win a cup, like kind of do what like Jerome McGinley does and what like Ray Bork did. Yeah. Like and then, just call it. He is. I don't know. Like he, he's so consistent. Like he's got the Iron Man. I don't think he's broken the record yet, but he's very close to the uh, to the Iron Man record as well. Yeah, I think it goes. I can never remember that guy who actually holds the record. But then it goes Keith Yandel and then Patrick Marlowe. And I think Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel is there too. <laughs> Phil Kessel. Feel the thrill. The three guys like, you would not yeah. expect to be Iron Men. Like when I think <laughs> Iron Man, Phil Kessel is not the first guy to come to mind. Nor is Patrick Marlowe. Or Keith Marlo. Yandel. Or Keith Yandel. Or Keith Yandel. Like, he's played, I think he's... 34 games away from getting that record. Um, Keith Yandel. Wow. Like he's pretty close. He's not He's not far away. And then at the beginning of this season, he was going to be scratched. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. Like, yeah, and they wanted to trade him, and he's like, nah, I'm not leaving. And then I'm never missing a game. They don't like him there. I don't know why they don't like him in Florida. But... Sonk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... But with Patrick Marlowe, I know he went to the Leafs. He was with Carolina because the Leafs traded him to Carolina for, I think, a second or something like that. But when he came back to San Jose, you know he's always going to go back to San Jose. But then he went to Pittsburgh, then came back again to San Jose. Yeah. So he's been at like, you know, he's been around, but he hasn't been around long enough to even establish himself. I know he was at Toronto for two years, two seasons, but he wasn't at a different team long enough to establish himself with that. He had one good season with the Leafs. I think he put up 25 goals on that season because he was playing with Tavares and um, possibly Nylander. But, yeah, it's... I think he was a good player in Toronto. He just overpaid. Oh, yeah, he was like five and a half or something like that. Yeah, too much for a 40-year-old. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's not right. Uh, but, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy that he's... He has that record because that record is I never thought would ever be broken in my lifetime. 
looking back at it. No, and that's all he's done it all despite missing 150 games maybe to <laughs> a lockout and a half covid. So like he could have yeah. done this 2 years ago. Yeah. I guess so. If, like in a perfect world. Yeah, cuz he missed uh he started in 97, right? I believe. I think so. Yeah, he was ninety-seven the, to now. He was the second overall pick, I think, and Thornton was the first. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that just? Isn't that just uncanny that they played on the same team for such a long time? It's funny how that worked out. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, just these two guys from the ninety-seven draft just being on the same team and just playing their entire careers with each other until they both end up somehow going to the Leafs, one for minimum, and then the other one for five and a half. But. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that funny? And Thornton's oh, only—he's not even a hundred games behind Marlowe. No, he's pretty close. So, like, I don't know if I could see Thornton playing longer than Marlowe. I don't know if his body can hold up longer than Marlowe's yeah. body. Yeah, I mean, if I watched the game the other night, he was running around like a goon, but against the Jets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm really happy that the Leafs have these older um, guys on their team. Just like Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton took Ehlers and I think it was Shifley or was Pierre-Luc Dubois to the penalty box with them, basically, like holding their hands like, hey, perfect. Now we drag these two great players off the Jets into the penalty box and now they're off the ice and now Matthews and Marner and everybody else on the Leafs can just go run, run rampant. It's good. Smart. Yeah. The dirty team. Ehlers is out now yeah, for the rest of the... Out. Yeah, I just saw that. They say rest of the season, but it's like six games. It's not... Yeah. Yeah, I looked at the standings yesterday. I was like, yeah, it's only like max like under 10 games now. Really close to the end. We could start talking about more awards if we really want to. Not today. No, I think in a couple be really weeks close. we can definitely do some award talk. Yeah. I mean, there's some locks, but nevertheless, yeah. But yeah, talking about the, Patrick uh, Marlowe. Yeah, getting back to the games played. Charles, another guy. He's got. He just hit 1,600 games. Yeah. So he's another like, man, that big body. Like, I'm surprised that big body is held up yeah. as long as it has. Yeah. Especially like playing on, you know, like a huge role on every team that he goes to, or on the yeah. teams that he plays on. Winning cups and getting to Stanley Cup finals. I think he's a good fit in Washington still. It seems like they have a good uh, chemistry, him and Ovi and the rest of the team, of what I see. Yeah, there's a good culture there that it seems like anybody can kind of come in and and contribute. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, with Joe, Joe Thornton, I'm... Well, yeah, he he totally like attacked Ehlers. And you, did you see the the video of him just jawing at him in the in the penalty box the whole I time? Saw, like, I saw him break his minutes? stick, break his stick on him, skate back to the bench, grab another stick, and then do another cross check. Surprised his sticks aren't wooden, so I don't think they wouldn't broke like that. But you know, I'm just like or like uses like those old Eastern synergies, like or the O sticks. <laughs> they just don't break. Except down at the blade or something like that. 
But yeah, I, I love the Leafs now. I, I'm just really happy that um, they're sick of getting, you know, beaten up and sick of complaining to the refs all the time. So they don't want to be that little, that little team that always complains. It's good. We're just giving it back to them now. I like it. It establishes that we're not messing around, which that should have been like that the entire time. But yeah, no, they got Plus, some I don't bite like the Jets now. anymore. Yeah, I don't like the Jets anymore. They've got some bite now that I think they need in the playoffs. Like they had it, I think, with like Kadri. <laughs> but I think it's it's maybe controlled now. What are you talking about? Cross-checking people in the face isn't controlled, and then getting suspended from. The entire series and then screwing us twice, two years in a row. I mean, Kadri might have the last laugh in Colorado. So, (laughs) yeah, I know. Yeah, true. Well, I I saw like over the last week here, like that whole division was just like getting there, like, oh, we clinched. Like, oh, that's nice. So, because you're playing like two of the or three of the crappiest teams in the NHL, other than the East, the East is. Just as bad as the West, in my opinion. Based on yeah, the West has teams. like those California teams are bad, but I think Colorado and Vegas I'd put as two top three teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a huge divide there, like a huge disparity between the the top and the bottom. Well, yeah, you look at the East, right? As well, like Columbus. Yeah. Are they central? Is Columbus central? I think Columbus might division? be in the central. Okay. Well, they're crap too. That's what I'm getting at. They're ter- they're terrible. You saw Merzlikens or yeah, it was Merzlikens. He's like, oh, I'm sick of losing. I don't like. It. <laughs> it's like I don't like it here. Everybody just want- everybody wants to leave Columbus. We all know that. It's, I, I it's wonder unfortunate if, that everybody does. I wonder if as soon as Torts is gone, like next season, then they totally flip a switch and they're like back to being a half decent team, like we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, but they're not scared to make big moves either. They're not scared to do trade like big trades, like with Line A and um, Felino and stuff like that. Like they'll get the they'll get their picks back. Like I said last week or the last podcast, I mentioned the. Like during the trade deadline as well, like Kekalainen is no slouch when it comes to doing major trades. No, so I'm I'll be, I'll be I won't be surprised if um, we see something in the summer that could change that team drastically, like Seth Jones or Zacharansky possibly leaving, something like that. Yeah, to get a four to get a a one like a a number one center, which they need again. They need a Josh Anderson. What Max Domi isn't doing it for you? He hasn't been very good. And he's been no. a healthy scratch, I think, a couple times. We talked about this last time, but yeah, uh, stay out of it. <laughs> so yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, speaking of Pittsburgh, top of the East, top top of the East. <sighs> what? I'm always where they come for from Pittsburgh. Like, I, I I can't not like the core in Pittsburgh of. Like Sid, Gino, and Latang, and like back in the day when Flurry and stuff was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that 
I, I I like that. That's a they, good division. They, I thought they like they got. Well, I said last time too. Uh, Burke and Hall and Hextall. Yep. Basically, once they came in, that whole dynamic of that group changed again, and that's what you might need to change a team or a franchise around for good. Like they, they still have the same core group, like you were saying, as the last like five years, and when they won the cops, basically, majority of it, just without Flurry. Yeah, I think so, I remember when Burke when Burke was hired. There was a lot of questions because I think Burke. I can't remember the details now, but I think Burke was has said like. Um. He was talking about their their young core and how they their prospect core isn't good. Like I think their prospects their prospect pool was ranked the lowest or towards the bottom in the NHL because they're still riding the the success of you know five years ago. Yeah, back to back ups. Yeah, and so the question was, what do you do? Like, do you trade Sid, and do you trade? You know, do you move on from these guys or do you um, just continue working with what you got until they mm-hmm. decide they don't want to be there anymore? Either retire. Yeah, I, I, or... can't, I can't see them trading. I can't see them trading Sid ever. No. I don't think he wants to leave either. So, But I mean, Malkin will definitely go before Sid. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't see Sid ever leaving the Pittsburgh. Like he'll be he'll pull like a Lemieux where he'll just like work up in the office with them and they'll just he'll stay in his house again, like at the beginning. Yeah. Just move in. But they've won four in a row too in their last But it's good to five. see like them having this success because I think they were getting to a point where they're almost spinning their wheels. Where it's like what are we mm-hmm. what are we doing? Like are we are we a contender? And if we're not contending then we've got to sell. Yeah. That's kind of like how Nashville, um, everybody's talking about Nashville before uh, the trade deadline. They're like, oh, like they have a push. They're pushing for the playoffs. I'm like, okay, well, you can still sell Alcom. You guys might not make it in there still, but you could sell Alcom and get him a good return for him. But they never ended up selling him, and now they have him. He's still signed for the next two years, but still, like that's you still got your player, but his value, same with Ryan Ellis, is going to depreciate if you guys only make it. Like you're going to run into somebody in that first round, and you're going to lose. You're going to get smacked. So what was the point? Yeah, they're probably going to be playing Carolina. <laughs> but I mean, Dallas is right behind them. Dallas is only two points back with a couple games in hand. Yeah. No, that like Dallas. Did you see Dallas's overtime win in the shot totals against Detroit? Yes, it. <laughs> yeah, it was like EANH. Jonathan Bernie, uh, Jonathan Bernie standing on his head. They had like three shots after two periods or something. It was they had six. Six after two, and they were winning one nothing after two. Yeah, games. Detroit was. I think it was. I showed uh, showed my fiance that I was like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay the scene out for you. It's Dallas, Detroit, in Detroit. Dallas outshot them. I think it was twenty to three in the first period, and then twenty-one to three in the second. And I'm like, they're losing though. 
So they got outshot 41 to 6 in the first two periods, and then Dallas ended up winning, I hope, and they did in overtime. So you still gave Detroit a point, even though they did not deserve one bit, except for, like, um, I was going to call him Steve Bernier. Steve <laughs> Bernier. Wide Steve Bernier. <laughs> Jonathan Bernier. Um, just absolutely standing on his head. It's like Ben Scrivens when he was, but he won. You know, those guys yeah, that just get like these massive 60, ones. 60 something save shutout. Yeah. He was, I can't remember the final shot totals of that game, but it was over 55, I believe. The Born Stars have 12 overtime losses. Like, that's sick. That's scary. So, that's 12 points. That's 12 points, but that's 12 points. It's 24 that's 12 points games gone. that in the playoffs, like, like once you get to the playoffs, yeah, it's you're not games, winning, right? So, yeah, it's pretty crazy how they've kind of fallen from last year, like being in the, being in the finals. They have a really good decor, like Miro Haskinen and uh, Klingberg, and they, they just can't get their goalies figured out. Like Ben Bishop is just a walking health clinic. He's just always in there. Terrible. He's always he's been, a really good goalie. I think kind of inconsistent with the injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, him Jamie and Ben too. Like he, like do you remember Jamie Ben won the the Art Ross? I think like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think he, he only had like ninety points, but he's kind of fallen a bit. He's not the same player he was. At that time, no. Sagan's been out. Sagan's been out most of the Sagan's season. Sagan's been out. I think not, all year. Not all. Yeah. So he's going to come back for the last, I think, like little bit of the season. But you might as well just hold him out. If 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 you know that you're not going to make it, there's no point of him rushing back to get hurt again, possibly. Unless you're McDavid, where you just rehab it and it all goes better. <laughs> the human machine that is he's Connor one McDavid. Of a kind. <laughs> oh yeah, he's one of a kind, all right. Did you happen to see the Oilers scoring at five on five, um, plus minus scoring chances with and without McDavid? It's it's not good. It, it's it. I think the word you're looking for is drastic differences between the plus and the minus. If he's on the ice or off the ice, <laughs> yeah, it's quite the contrast. I think he's I think they're <laughs> plus eighty eight when he's on the ice, and they're minus on one hundred eighty three. 183. What is off the ice? You, you yeah. definitely need that secondary scoring. The others do. I know, like they're they're top heavy. Yeah. Um They don't get much like I don't know, the third and fourth line is to me, like the third line, you should be contributing. I think, like every, if you're getting like a point every two or three games, I think that's solid for a third liner. Yeah. And for me, like a fourth liner, I don't care if you get no points, as long as you're you're not allowing goals. Yeah. If you're even, you're, you're at least. I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're eating. You're eating the play. You're not really. Yeah. You're, you're not contributing, but you're not. Con- like conceding goals, yeah, on your line. 
I mean, I look at the Leafs. I look at the Leafs fourth line that they played the last two games, like with Brooks, um, Joe Thornton, and Spezza. I don't expect them to do too much, but they like that that Adam Brooks guy is a really good center, and we like the Leafs have been looking for a guy like that to replace Pierre Engvall because apparently everybody really hates Engvall. Which is, I mean, I, I don't hate him, but he's not the guy I really want out there. But I'll take Adam Brooks if he's going to keep playing like that. Like, we had Travis Boyd at the beginning of the year. And then he got waived and claimed because he fell off again. But this team, the way it's set up right now with the Leafs, the amount of forwards that they have and the amount of players that they're able to put in the lineup and then just kind of plug and play with them is good, but it doesn't really keep them synced as well as, you know, like Matthews and Marner are always together. Just like how McDavid and Drysdale should be always together because those are your two best players and two of the most highly contributing people on your team. So you should have those two together. I know you want to spread them out, but if you can't, then you got to find some sort of secondary scoring or find another crazy good hockey player. I think the idea with having them on separate lines is um, when you don't have, because their problem is they don't have third and fourth line scoring depth. So if you've got McDavid and Drysaddle on two separate lines, essentially one of them is on the ice probably 80% of the game. One of them is is Mm -hmm. out there. So I think that's kind of the argument is for half the more than half the game, more than three quarters of the game, we have an elite player on the ice capable of generating offense by themselves versus having two elite players together on the ice maybe 40% of the time. You know. Yeah. Especially when yeah. you're... The, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with the with that but is it going to help right like is it going to like you you've seen it like you've obviously seen it with McDavid and Drysaddle when they're separated it doesn't work i feel like you guys might lose a little bit more games when they're separated because you're not getting that con- like concentrated scoring so you go out every single time and there's actual chances every single time that McDavid and Drysaddle will probably get a chance but you could do it like mid game and switch it. Like And they do. There'll be the odd shift where like McDavid gets double shifted. Like after a PK or, or something, you might double shift to get both of them out there. Um and they've more so than last year, they've been playing Tippett's been putting the two of them together on the same line. Just whenever the team kinda needs a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um but, I mean, going into the summer, and I think Ken Holland knows this, their biggest need is, like, ideally a top six left winger to play with yeah. McDavid. Yeah. I think Pugliarvi has... Because you just, you just keep putting people. I think Pugliarvi has looked good. I think he's on pace for almost... Like, if it was an 82-game season, he's on pace for almost 20 goals. Um, I think he actually has more goals this season, funny enough, than Dubois, Line, and Kachuk. And Hall, possibly. 
probably. Yeah, but those three guys being significant because they're the other guys in that in that draft class. Division. Oh, in the in the draft class. Yeah. So I I mean his problem is he he doesn't finish. Like he he generates chances, tons of chances, and he's good in front of the net, but he struggles with his finish, um, <laughs> like burying it. He's all Swedish, no finish, eh? Yeah, <laughs> but I think that'll come. Like I think, I think. Like yeah, I, he he went back. He went back to Finland, played a year, season, and came back after you know the whole problem that they had there. Yeah, and I think he came back a better player. Which oh, is absolutely! Good. Like he's twice the player he was last time. The problem yeah. I think in Edmonton for the last couple of years is because Shirelli tied their hands so tight against the cap that Ken Holland has only been able to like he's only been able to play with pennies to build this team. So he we have to depend on basically the scraps. <laughs> you know, guys at a million dollars or sub to fill in, mm-hmm. to plug the holes. So that's where like guys like Kyle Turris, who hasn't been very good, comes in. Or Dominic Cahoon, who hasn't been very good. Dayton Haas. Gaten Haas. Um, I thought it was Dayton. Gaten? Gaten. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gaten Haas, Devin Shore, like Josh Archibald. Um, You know, they have to depend on these guys who are you know, cheap, Black cheap, luster. cheap luster. Yeah. So I think this off season is finally when they can kind of, they can really make a move because I think they're going to have close to 30 mil in cap space. That's really good. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of room for you guys to get at least one good player. Or you can just pick up Connor Brown, who's absolutely, you know, he's, I think he, he scored 10 goals in the month of April so far, 11 goals. He's doing really well in Ottawa. And I, I always liked Connor Brown when he was on the Leafs. He'd be perfect. There was always talk when he was on the Leafs that he was going to go to Edmonton for. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for Matt Benning. Matt Benning. That guy. I always get him and Ben Hutton because of Steve Dangle and they talked about it. I was like, ah, like they, they kept getting Benning and Ben Hutton mixed up. And I was like, ah, that's not the same person, but I'm like, they play on two different teams as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the Oilers too, do you think they'd be able to jump the Jets for a second? I know they're only, I think they're only a point back right now. Um, I think they're... With a couple games in hand? They have two games at hand. And they're, yeah, they're one point behind. And they're, I think Edmonton is winning that season series 5-2. to two. So, I mean, I don't know if it really matters who finishes second or third. Like the, I feel like the only advantage is last change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. But wouldn't you rather play? I mean, yeah, I guess you guys would be playing each other regardless. Yeah. In that division, so. 
I mean, if there is the ability to have home ice advantage, I guess that would be a good thing to have. Yeah, I mean, if you're comf- more comfortable in your building, I think that's a comfort yeah. to have. If they're even playing in their own building, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, I, I assume for the first round, they'll be in Canada still until the final four, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you just put them up in a in Edmonton or wherever, whatever the schedule is going to be, however they're going to do the seven-game series. I'm excited for, like, full seven-game series again this year, not the five, like the divisional, uh, whatever round it was, the, 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 the play-in. Yeah. yeah, I just felt it went no, really think, fast like, last year. I don't know. The North Division is such a crapshoot because <laughs> it was like we said yesterday or on the last episode, and then I think there was a TSN post about it as well, where it's like the the um, the Oilers are five and two against the Jets, and then the Jets are like five and two, I think, against the Leafs, and then the Leafs are five and two against Edmonton. So, like, it's parody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough... That division... It's so hard to put your finger on who's actually, like, the best team in that division. Like, I know the Leafs are... Like the top. Leafs are the deepest one of, team. One of the top. Yeah. And that, that's been a long time coming, too. That's not like they just all of a sudden showed up. Like, finally, we have good forwards... Good defense. Goaltending is a little bit of an issue at times um, with consistency and obviously Jack Campbell not being a full starter. Um, he's been a majority backup for his entire career. And having Dave Riddick having that awful game against, uh, I think it was, what was that, Calgary? No, it was against the Jets. Or whatever it was. No, it was against the Canucks. Why am I thinking? It's against the Canucks. I, can't, I, totally, I totally blocked those games out of my mind. <laughs> I don't want to talk about those ones either. But yeah. And then I, I know Freddie Anderson's coming back and the whole thing with um Robertson's probably not going to be playing in the playoffs unless or he he will be playing in the playoffs, he just won't be playing the rest of the season because he might burn the ELC off his first year of ELC. Um which I'd rather he didn't because we have a lot of good goal scorers and good lines and we we can wait. He can wait. I'm really happy that Sandine's finally coming in, doing that dirty, nice reverse hit that he did on Wheeler that everybody's like, oh my God, just play the puck. And I'm like, the puck's right there. He got ran two times on the previous shift. He's just defending himself. Wheeler shouldn't be reaching for that. You know, but nevertheless, I think the Jets are definitely a second place team in that division they're good based on goaltending and their forwards that they have i wouldn't say necessarily defense because they've been struggling with their defense ever since they got rid of their like bufflin truba Sherratt, all of them and then you got oilers which i i think they're a two three team and then you got the montreal canadians which the leafs control their fate because i think they play them four times in the last little bit of games so it's really up to the Leafs if they really want to play Montreal, if they want to play Vancouver. If Vancouver wants to step up and play, they can 
hop on in. <laughs> that would be an awesome story to see Vancouver. Yeah. Come back. And then you know that you know they just beat the Leafs in the in the playoffs. That's just a guarantee. Like, oh, they come from nothing and they're here. Come from the COVID. Ah. Those games. I'm not talking about it. Um, do you want to talk about the four big members of the trades that we talked about in the last ones? Yeah, so we've kind of had about a week or so to to let these trades marinate. We've seen some players. Marinate. Yeah. We've seen uh I I mean they look good, these guys in their new <laughs> in their new homes. Like Hall looks like a new player. Yeah. He doesn't look sad as much anymore. No. I think they played I think they played Buffalo four times. Like Buffalo's played um Boston four times, and I think he has a point in three out of four of those games. Uh he's he's got he's played eight games since the trade since the trade happened, so he's played got six goal um Six points, not six goals. Three goals, three assists for six points. So he's still sitting at five goals on the season, but that's a better production than he had, obviously, in Buffalo over 37 games. I think so when it comes yeah, to the offseason, no teams will... I think teams will put more stock into the into what he did in Boston than what happened in Buffalo. Yeah, I agree too. It It just makes sense to take that um, player instead of the one in Buff- in Buffalo because it's a crapshoot yeah. there too. Like if Boston you got Jacob, has the cap space, yeah. I'd if I was Boston, I'd bring him back, and if I was Hall, I'd I'd stick around. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't see them being too far off either. Um, for another playoff push, they're always in the playoffs. They have the good, they have a good lineup to always push for a playoff spot. I know they're in fourth right now. Um, in their uh division and i think uh i think they're fine at the moment but they'll have to play you know either pittsburgh or washington in the first round and that'll be tough that'll be a tough one that would be a, a pittsburgh it doesn't matter pittsburgh or washington in the in the first yeah. round that's a great matchup yeah no it's gonna be good hockey to watch and then you have uh jacob verona this nice four goal game that he had the other night I just think he get he has the room to breathe now, and he can do whatever he wants, and that's awesome. You need that freedom, and it seems like he wasn't going to stay in Washington, like I read last time. Um, he's played five games. No, I think in Washington um, he, he six was forced points. down the lineup. Yeah, there's too many options. Yeah, he has five goals and assists for six points in five games. For Detroit. That's good. I mean, four of those goals came in one game, but... <laughs> yeah, still. It, e- it evens out over the five games. But if this trade works out, like, then Iserman's a wizard. Yeah, just fleecing the league. You should have the sponsor like, for he's still got. He got the first and a, f- a first and a second in that trade as well. And both... Mantha and Verana both have six points. It's only been six games, but still. Yeah, he's yeah. Mantha's got four goals and two assists for six. Yeah, I mean that's that's good for 
the amount of games that they played, they're they're a point a game, roughly if you even it out. Yeah. Majority of the players. Then you got Nick Felino, he's got two points in two games for the Leafs. I mean, one being on an assist for an empty net for Marner and the other uh being on Muzzins where he dumped it in and it ringed and hit the the side of the uh the glass and popped out and Marner buried again. But his Points penalty killing <laughs> Yeah. His penalty killing is fantastic. He hits a I told I think I said last time he's a running he's a running and gunning guy, so he'll just go around and he'll be like Wayne Simmons. Like those two guys like the Bash brothers on the on the ice. <laughs> I, I, I like that um Simmons is kind of on the third line and not on at the fourth. But I find I I don't know if you've noticed this. I know you don't watch a lot of Leaf games, I get it. But any player that we get, do you notice that they, they always get around with Marner and Matthews? Like they're just like, oh yeah, throw them up on the front on the top line. Just I have just, noticed that. Like let's just throw them up there and see if it works. Whatever. He's new. We'll try it. I actually kind of like Felino on that line. I don't really know who else. Like maybe when Hyman comes back, because Edler mm-hmm. said it last time. I don't like that guy. And don't like it. But I think when Hyman comes back, he's going to slot into the, either the second or third with McKayev and Kerfoot. That's McKayev, Kerfoot, Hyman. My favorite line, other than obviously the top line, but. The, I just think Felino just should stay there, just because he's a, he's kind of like the watchdog on that line. I know Matthews can hold himself, and I know Marner can hold himself because Matthews is six three two twenty. He's not small, like Marner's pretty small. But yeah, I, I really like the the line pairings that the Leafs have going into the last, I think it's eight games of the season. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are the four main guys that um, I remember. You got uh, Andrew Shaw retired today. Yeah, at twenty nine, due to concussions. Um, mm. I mean, it's sad to see a guy that that young have to call it quits. Yeah. At the same time, um, I respect the guy for listening to the doctors when he's told like <laughs> you shouldn't be playing anymore and he's like okay and he does it um yeah not not many uh not many players do that no you hate to see a guy's career cut short but um you know you don't want to see the guy in a bad place you know 10 years from now yeah i mean he won two cups as well yeah in chicago um, he's he's like he's like Brandon Saad. He's one of those guys that would like get traded and then come back and then get traded and then come back. Or or Patrick Marlowe, if you really want to make that comparison. But Brandon Saad is mine because he always with Chicago. He was just there and they always go back to Chicago somehow in a big trade. And then the other teams would always get something from Chicago. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy is not even that good. Is it because he has one? He's won like two cups. Is that why? He's like, oh, he's got the pedigree. There was an interesting no. comment that I read regarding the the Shaw retirement, and they were talking about those Hawks teams. No, I mean the first cup 
was a decade ago. So, I mean, players, things are going to happen yeah. in between then. But there's a list of players who, um, for one reason or another, mostly strange reasons or unfortunate reasons, aren't playing anymore. So they had like Dave Boland, who's not playing mm-hmm. anymore. Brent Seabrook, who had to retire early. Marion Hosa, who had to retire early because of the skin thing. Skin, yeah, the skin conditions. Uh, Ray Emery, who tragically passed, passed away. away. Brian Bickle, who has MS. MS. Corey Crawford, who had to retire a bit earlier than I think you'd expect. Concussions. Yep. Bufflin, who's not playing. I don't think he's formally wow, retired, but I, I never, I never realized that. Um, like how many of them are? And then there was Steve Montador, who passed away a few years ago, and then now Jonathan Taze, who has something. I'm not sure what yeah. the story is there, but he's not playing this year. So you got basically like Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. Yeah, they're the only ones kind of still. Of of the main of the main team, I guess. I guess you know of I mean? the like, like original the core. Original kinda, core. For the, from like maybe the first two cups. Yeah. Wow, that's that's almost scary how something like that can just evolve into all these players having either like health conditions or like I think it's um, mostly injuries. just coincidence. Yeah. But still it's like that's a lot of names. Yeah, that's that's like ten people. Yeah. That's that's scary. It, it's yeah. I'm not I'm not enthused when like when you see like those dynasties because we'll call it a dynasty. They won three cups in six years. Yeah, I would call it a modern day dynasty. Yeah, and that just shows you how playoff hockey is so different from like regular season hockey and how the rules and the officiating plays a huge part in the decisions of games and human beings mm-hmm. and what, and what their lives are going to be after. Like we, like every hockey fan knows like, Oh, these, like if you ever see a hockey player after they retire, they're just either they don't watch the game or they, they have no, um, they don't watch it. They don't talk about it. It's like it's like war. It's like when somebody goes into battle, they don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Or it's or they're in uh, media for the sport. Yeah, it's it, it. Hockey's always been the tough sport. So when it comes to what they're going to be feeling like after they're done playing, that's based. That's up to them. But I, I, based on just that team that you read off, that's yeah. really uncanny and a weird coincidence. Like the one name I'm I think scared. that really sticks out on that list is like Steve Montador, who, whose death was, I believe it was CTE related, mm-hmm. like a suicide via, or a suicide as a result of CTE issues. And I think... Um, Andrew Shaw, you know, he's, he's looking long-term Yeah, in this decision. No, that's, that's a, that's a totally viable and smart way of thinking. 
like you you like people always go oh it's it's the money right that's why you still play it's the money and like also the love it's the love of the game that they want that they played and were bred for for their entire lives it's what they wanted to strive and do their entire life is to play hockey play professional hockey and now that they, you took it away and yeah. your, you know your brain isn't working properly and now it's just a, a swirling you know it's terrible i've had i've had concussions as well for, it's terrible for players to like this is all that they know like mm-hmm. all that they know is is how to play hockey and this is all that they've really worked for so i think when you when you have to like unfortunately take that away i think you have a lot of players left like okay now what yeah well it's like taking something away from like a toddler right or it's like no they want to keep it and they will they will do whatever they can to not give it to you Mm -hmm. and there's there's been some stories like not just based on that uh, the Blackhawks, right? Like you have like with CT and related stuff like like Wade Belak, yeah. Which I which I always think of because he's a, he was a former Leaf player, and um, just one day out out of the blue he passed away, and just blew everybody's mind. There's like Shane, like I know Shane Corson's had like there's other things that goes on with being a professional hockey player, especially inside the. Uh, the early, like the early '90s, and then to now, like with uh, drug abuse and um, alcohol abuse. Like, that, I think that's the perception ultimately what of, it leads into. The perception of concussions has changed. Oh, hugely. Which is like a great thing. Like Andrew Shaw is a good example. I think Andrew Luck in the NFL is a good example too. Who retired yeah. a couple years ago? Again, same story where he's, you know was probably only halfway through his career but called it quits due to injury to because he was looking long term you have to I feel like that's more of a uh, it's more of something you should do now than before because before it was just like oh I'm going to play hockey till you know I'm done and then I'll just you know just go home and sit and then not do anything just talk about how I played hockey play golf um but now yeah with with all the concussions and highlighting these huge issues that go on in their their lives it's it's very important yeah like when you have players like chris pronger was an example i remember reading a sports illustrated article about him and it wasn't entirely concussions he had major post-concussion syndrome issues, but he also had, like, his eye issues. Um, and well, so basically ended his career, right? Yeah, and in this story, they talked about how he, for months, he couldn't, like, get out of bed. He couldn't play with his kids. Like, he couldn't live a normal life. And so I think players are starting to weigh whether or not it's worth it. And for a guy like Andrew Shaw, where he's like, I'm 29, I've won two cups. Like, I've done... Like, he's not a guy, and he knows it, who's going to win 
scoring titles or break records or anything like that. So he, he's played for what he can play for, which was the Cups, and he got them. And I think... Yeah. You know, he leaves a respectable career behind. Yeah, I think of also like Dan Carcillo. I think he was on those one of those teams. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember if it was the the twenty thirteen or the twenty ten. I mean he he has a different way of looking at it. like he's he's off obviously had um concussion and uh, abuse problems. And he mm-hmm. also abused other players uh, along the way. Um but every every player has a story. And we're only hearing some stories that are coming out now, which is which is good because that's what we want to hear. We don't want to hear them keep it inside and then find out that another hockey player has passed away. I don't like to hear about that. No, no, I agree. But yeah, it's it's a it's a sport that they literally say you live and die for, and that's, that's what sometimes they do, which is not what anybody wants to hear ever but that's that's what yeah. they set their like minds we'll see if to changes that's what they want to do i would like like i'd like to see brent or andrew shaw you know i would it would be cool to see him become like an advocate yeah for this um because like i think the nhl still denies that you know, there's a link between CTE and, and hockey. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it sounds dramatic, but, like, how many more players have to die after their careers for them to admit that it's a problem? Yeah. It It's... <laughs> Well, since I think it's more based on uh, money, most likely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The accolation, the accolation of winning a, a a trophy that every hockey player strives to get, and one of the hardest trophies to win um, in in sports. And then once you do that, like like with with Patrick Marleau, I'll say I'll say this. Like when he hits that record, do you think this is going to be his last season, or do you think is is just gonna? Um, because you you did it, you passed the record. Like, how long do you want to keep playing for? Like, if, I know the love for hockey is there. If the love for hockey is there, then you should keep playing. But if it's not there, stop. Like, don't. Like, don't you have nothing to prove? Like, I'm surprised to anybody other than yourself. I think he only continued playing because. Yeah, like I think he only continued playing the last couple of years to break this record. Like I think he knows that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, like the fact that he didn't get moved at this deadline. Maybe he kind of knows times almost up. Running out. Yeah, running out. Yeah, but there's so many older, I guess, 
older hockey players now that we've we've kind of been accustomed to and we've seen them, but you don't realize how old they are until um, you look them up. So you don't realize how long they played. Like, oh, he's played over a thousand games. I'm like, that's such a long time. Like, I, I don't understand how people can just go like they, like we don't we don't notice because we cheer for our favorite teams, right? So it's just a uh, we cheer for our own. We know the stats we know this we know that and from then on we just don't really know about other players in the league and their stories Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good it's a good topic i mean we keep going on about this for a long time and there always be more stories that come out over time and i'm glad that shaw decided to make the decision to stop playing and stop risking um, further injury or further, uh, you know, hurting hurting other people maybe along the way by playing longer, which you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy that he gets to retire. I mean, he's won he's won what he's won, and there there'll be more there'll be more hockey players that come out like this. They'll probably end their careers sooner th- rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll I think we'll we'll see players less um maybe less scared to to bow out when looking more into the future than than the short term. And I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. No. I uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. If you can't do it then there's there's no, there's nothing wrong with with doing that. Like nobody's gonna judge you for doing that. I mean, people will, but nobody in your family is gonna judge you and be like, "Why didn't you do that?" Yeah, yeah, I would hope. And that's that's what matters. You'd hope so, yes. Yeah, I think this is uh, where we're gonna end it for today, um, for the second episode. Um, I've been Ben. I'm Ben. I've, I've been Ben. I am Ben. And uh, with my friend here, Dylan. Uh, if you would like to um, give us a follow on Facebook, on our Facebook page, that'd be fantastic. Um, and we will catch you on the next one. <laughs>